You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. I want us to think this morning just for a few minutes in these last, the last two verses really of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, uh, because they, they, they tell us so much about what happened to the church in, in, in that place. You remember how Paul came preaching to the, 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 the country in Greece and Thessalonian, Thessalonica was one of the, the, the cities that he spoke in. And many people turn to the Savior. And what happens? What happens when people come uh, to trust in the Lord Jesus? That's what we want to think about uh, this morning. And it tells her this afternoon, it tells us in verse 8 uh, and, uh, uh, onwards, it tells us that the Lord's message ran out, rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you give us. They tell us how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So I want us to think especially about these, these last, really these last two verses. What happens whenever a, person becomes a, whenever a person becomes a Christian? Well, it tells us here that, that the people in Thessalonica saw the difference. They saw the difference in the lives of those who had, who had come to, to know Christ. They saw people who were changed. They saw people who were who really, uh, uh, there was such a tremendous difference. And I want us to think about this this morning, just for a, this afternoon, just for a short time. Because in these verses we have for us here, it tells us that they turned, verse 9, they tell us how you turned from God, uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. How they turned, how they served, and how they waited. Just those three, remember those three verse, those three words. How they turned, they served, and they waited. Now they turned to God first of all then. They turned from idols. You know, it, it, Paul here doesn't speak about repentance or, or faith or justification by faith, but all that's included. He's speaking about the outward visible signs in the, the lives of these new believers. They turned from God, and this involved turning from sin uh, and turning uh, from idols. This is, what the, this is what the people saw. They saw actions. The, a person wasn't going to be, a person doesn't become a Christian, and, and it's all hidden. These people, like everyone who becomes a Christian, their actions are seen. And that's what conversion means. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. Everything becomes new. Conversion affects our conduct, our beliefs, our whole life. No part is unaffected. So here, Paul is especially speaking about turning to God from idols. Now, why does he, why does he speak about idols? 
Well, it's because in the people in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, they were only 50 miles from the Mount Olympus. And on Mount Olympus, the, the gods were supposed to, many gods were supposed to live. And all sorts of gods dominated their lives. And that was true not only in Athens, but in Thessalonica. And so people erected gods, erected gods. And they even, it tells us in Acts chapter 17, they had an idol to an unknown God. They, didn't even, they couldn't even think of a name for this God. They had an unknown God. Idols are the creation of men. And, and, you know, we maybe think to ourselves, but I don't worship idols. And I'm glad, I'm glad, you know, uh, you know a Presbyterian meeting house should never, should never have in it anything that would resemble a, an idol or, uh, you know, a, a representation of, of the Lord Jesus or anything like that. It should never, like, uh, our meeting houses should always stay plain and empty. Paint them, yes, nicely, but they should never, they should never have, they should never have pictures and so on of, of, of God in them. And it's so important, this, because this is, this is creeping in, I think, to, in some places. But an idol is, is something that, that many people today are, are still taken, are still taken up with. It, it tells us in Isaiah 44, and this shows you the, 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 the what happens. It tells us, it tells a man, takes down a tree and he cuts it down and he uses half of it to, he uses half of it to bake his, his, his bread on. And it tells us he, he, he fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. He said he warms himself and he says, I am warm. I see the fire. And from the rest, he makes a god as idol and he bows down and worships it. That's the nonsense of an idol. And there are people today, and they, 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 they have idols. Now, they mightn't have an idol of a statue. They mightn't have an idol of a, an image, but they, they have their idols. And the people here in, in Thessalonica had turned from idols. Idols are substitutes for God. And uh, we need to be very clear about that. Paul speaks about idols, of the idol of immorality, the idol of greed, the idol of idolatry in Ephesians chapter 5. And everyone who worships something else or, or someone else is, is really an idolater. We need to remember, remember, you shall not make any graven image. And today, I think there are many people, and even sometimes Christians, and their idol is money. Their idol is a big house. Their idol is a grand car. Their idol is this and that. And God is not put first. And thus, these people turn from idols, and we should never have an idol. You know, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I know nothing about football, and I don't follow football, and, and I'm sure there are some people here who think football's great, and that's all right. You can, but do you ever notice on the, the grandstand of Manchester United football club? A lot of people, a lot of people follow Manchester United. Well, it says Manchester United Football Club, M-U-F-C, the religion, the religion. And there are people who are so fascinated or so fixated about football that it's like a religion. That's just one example. 
It's just one example. These people here, it tells us, turned away from idols, and we should turn away from idols. If we love the Lord Jesus, we shouldn't have an idol. We shouldn't worship any idol, whatever the idol is. But not only does it tell us they turn from idols, it tells us they they, they uh, served the living and true God. You notice in, in verse the last part of verse 9, serve the living and true God. Whenever you become a Christian, you don't become inactive. You don't become inactive. Conversion is not only negative, turning away from, but it's positive. It's turning towards. It's beginning to serve, to serve the, the one who has done so much for us. And their desire, these people's desire, is to serve the living and true God. Their dead idols are put away and they are new creations. What a wonderful change. They'd been serving the gods of this world. Now there's this joyful service to serve, to serve uh, the Lord, uh, their Lord. And in a sense, the Thessalonians were set free, weren't they? They'd been in slavery, bondage, bondage to sin. But now they'd been set free and they were, their desire was to serve the Lord. And that's, that's so important, so it is. And, and a Christian should always be happy and glad to serve. It shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't be a toil to us. You know, sometimes you'd think it, it was a, it's a real toil to somebody to read the Bible, a real toil to somebody to come to the prayer meeting, a real toil to somebody to do... No, it shouldn't be. Our desire, our desire should be to, to serve, to reach out, and to, and to let other people know that we have a wonderful Savior. That's what these people were doing. They were now joyful captives of the Lord now instead of being captive to the evil one. George Matheson put it in his great hymn. He said, Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conqueror be. Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conqueror be. They turn from idols, and their desire was to serve the living and true God. Oh, have you turned from idols? Have you turned to Christ? Is it your desire to serve him? Is it your desire to, to do his will, wherever that is? But then the third thing, very quickly, is they wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus. They wait for the coming. Verse 10, to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come, the coming wrath. They wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus. You know, a person who's a Christian not only knows that he's turned from idols or should always be turning from idols, not only should he be serving, but he should be patiently waiting, waiting. How do you wait? You know, sometimes you might say, if I was to say to you, I'll meet you tomorrow morning at the corner of the street down there, 10 o'clock. And if I was there at 10 o'clock and you didn't turn up by past 10, I would say, I would say to myself, oh, 
he's not coming, she's not coming, just forgotten all about it. It's, that's the sort of thing that happens all the time, isn't it? But that's not the case with a Christian, you know. With a Christian here, we're waiting with expectation. We're waiting not indifferently. Jesus is coming back again. He said he's coming back again. The hymn writer said, here, let me wait with patience. Wait till the night is over. Wait with patience. Jesus is coming. Serve him day after day, looking for his coming. This is the waiting this is the waiting with a sense of expectation, like the five wise virgins that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 25. Do you remember the five? The five that were waiting for the bridegroom coming. And they had their lamps all trimmed and ready. And whenever the, the bridegroom came, they, the, the shout went up and they entered in. But the five foolish virgins... They were, they were left outside. This is, why, this is how we should be. This is how we should be waiting, ready, waiting day by day for his coming. But notice, in particular, it tells us they wait for, his, for God's Son. It tells us to wait for the Son from heaven. Wait for the Son. Jesus is coming back again. The same Jesus who went into heaven, the same Jesus who walked amongst men, Jesus is coming back again. He's coming, tell the glad soul. Who is coming? It's the same Jesus as the disciples saw him go. But also it tells us they wait for Jesus who was raised from the dead. Do you notice whom he raised, whom God raised from the dead? This glorious message as he comes again and again, he's, he is not here. He's risen. The tomb is empty. Peter made it so clear in his great sermon in Acts chapter 2. This Jesus uh, hath God raised up and we're all witnesses. Death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. Do you know, I was reading not so long ago, that 23% of people who profess to be Christians don't believe in the resurrection. Imagine, that's nearly one in four. 23% of people who profess to be Christians don't believe in the resurrection. Don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Don't believe that, that he's alive. Don't believe that, that Jesus, Jesus died in our place. How could it be? The very heart of the message is, of course, of the, 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 the gospel is that he died for us. But also notice they wait for the Lord Jesus, it tells us, from heaven. Jesus uh, from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. After 40, our, uh, 40 days, Jesus was taken up again into heaven. But one day he's coming back again. At the moment he's interceding. Now he's in heaven. He's interceding. That's why we, we always pray in the name of Jesus. We, we, always, we always say in his name we pray. Because he's interceding for us. But Jesus is coming back again. He's coming back for his people. What a wonderful day that will be. The Thessalonians not only turn from idols... They not only were serving God, but they were waiting, waiting, waiting for his coming. 
be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, he will come. George Whitfield, the great evangelist in the 18th century, he said, he said, I am daily waiting for the Son of God. I'm daily waiting for the Son of God. But notice lastly, it says, they wait for Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's tremendous, isn't it? You know, he's, he, he, Jesus who is rescuing us, an ongoing work. There's a sense, of course, you know, he has delivered us, but is also still delivering us. And on that last day will bring us from the very presence of sin into his presence. Bring us from the very presence of sin into his presence. Remember, we were by nature children of wrath. The person, who, the person without Christ, the wrath of God abides upon him. But then what a joy to know that this wrath is taken away by the Lord Jesus. And instead of the wrath of God, we have been reconciled through the Savior's death. This is the wonderful assurance of every Christian. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the, the faith of the Thessalonians was spread abroad. People could see that the, those in Thessalonica who became Christians, they were different. And that's the case, isn't it? Whenever you go out from here and go into your work tomorrow, go into school tomorrow, go into the college tomorrow, wherever you go, you never stop being a Christian. And people should always see that you're somebody who loves the Lord Jesus. You should see that we are people who love him and are desiring to follow him and to serve him. People who have turned away from the old way. People who are serving him now. People who are waiting for his coming. That's the, uh, so important, waiting for his coming. These people had turned from idols. They served now the true and the living God. And they waited expectantly for the Lord Jesus to come again. Is that evident in your life? Is it evident in my life? Evident that you've turned away because you belong to Jesus. You've trusted in the Lord Jesus. You've turned away from the old ways. Evident that you're serving. You want to serve. You want to do his will. Evident that you're waiting waiting expectantly for Jesus to come again. What a glorious, what a glorious message that is, to turn from, from sin, to turn to Christ, and to turn to serve and to wait for him. Charles Wesley put it in one of his great hymns. He said, Oh, may we thus be found obedient to his word, attentive, attentive to the trumpet sound and looking for the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that what it ought to be with all, all who love the Lord Jesus? Oh, may we thus be found obedient to his word, attentive to the trumpet sound and looking, looking for our Lord. 
to turn from idols, to serve him, to wait for him. That's how everyone, everyone, all who love the Lord Jesus, should be living, to turn away and to turn and follow Christ. Thank you.